Welcome back to the Red Dice Stories RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today we're going to be talking about castles and how you can use them in your game. Okay, so Love, you wanted to talk about castles and how they can be used in RPGs. Yeah, so first things first, possible uses for castles. So it's a good place to do like the bookend of a mission where, I don't know, say your lordly noble calls you to the castle, gives you a mission, you go off and do it, you come back and get your reward there. Yeah, yeah, classic. It's a good place for a base of operations for a player group. Um, And obviously with that, as the player group progresses, when they level up, they can either add to the structure, so start out in like a very small fort and build it up to a big castle, move on to another castle that's like bigger and more suited to their needs when they level up. You got something to add? (laughs) All right. Or it might be that they start out as like junior members of the castle's staff and build their way up that way. Yeah, I was going to say, of course, castles and strongholds are sort of written into the sort of very makeup of the rules for like old Dungeons and Dragons where it was assumed that, you know, when you get to a certain level, you're going to start building your own fortress. You're going to maybe not be exploring every dungeon so much. You're going to be sort of managing a domain. So So another use of it is as a base of operations for your villain. Mm -hmm. And obviously that can be anything from a small fort with a low-level villain in to being like the Emperor's Palace. Yeah. And then obviously it's Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. A castle is an ideal structure for your basic D&D dungeon crawl dungeon. An abandoned castle, an enemy castle, whatever. Yeah, I mean, castles are pretty much one of the iconic sort of medieval sort of fortifications. I mean, one of my favourite sort of D&D clones is called Castles and Crusades. So Mm -hmm. they, you know, they're, they're around in that time period. They're certainly appropriate for that pseudo medieval vibe you have going in a D&D game but we've talked a bit about how you might use castles how about the way that castles are designed well how you might use different designs of castles there's a few different things you might want to think about and first of all you want to think about whether you're looking at a real or a realistic castle versus something that's a fantasy castle purely for your setting, for your needs. Yeah. So you might want to look at using the floor plan of a real castle. And if you Google the name of pretty much any castle that's open as a tourist destination now, plus the word floor plan, you will get some really good floor plans. Um, I was going to say as well, obviously... there's no shortage of like fantasy versions, you know, dungeons and floor plans and stuff like that for castles. Indeed. Um, on the real world ones, I'd recommend take a look at Haddon Hall, yeah, yeah. which is not too far away from us. 
and you would recognise it as the place where Princess Buttercup stands oh, when she gets Princess food. Bride, yeah, yeah. Boo! <laughs> it's been used in a lot of films and they've got an excellent floor plan on Google that shows you all the different like time periods that parts of the castle were built up in. Oh, that's pretty cool. Another good one to take a look at is Castle Cornet in oh, Guernsey. Oh, where they make the ice cream. <laughs> now, that one is a particularly interesting real-world castle as mm. well. Um, in the medieval period, it was this, like, huge fortress on a little islet on the side of an island... Uh, on a little islet at the side of Guernsey but over the years it's remained in use or it did until very recently remain in use as part of Britain's defences and it was used in World War Two as part of Britain's defences yeah. uh, so a lot of modern additions have been put onto it until I think about the 60s it was sort of kept up to date and it's now a museum you can walk around there's some really good like pictures on the internet of it but that's a nice example of one that's been improved upon up until very recently and i'm assuming originally it was like built on the little island because obviously that's a very defensible sort of position and you know if you're looking for invaders coming from over the sea or whatever you've got to be able to have like a clean sweep of being able to look out over the ocean and such like indeed and it protects the harbour there which obviously was very important to everybody that lived on the island at the time because yeah. it was where all the supplies came in so another option for where to get your castle designs from as you mentioned is to use a map from another adventure mm -hmm. and tweak it to your own uses there's again thousands of these all you've got to do is google castle adventure map now if you're using miniatures mm -hmm. one of the methods that i would recommend which is great fun if you're into this sort of thing is to design the castle yourself and you can do this by getting whatever modular castle scenery you've got and ramming it together on the table you can do it by uh, playing about with minecraft you can do it by getting some lego or some matchboxes I was just say LEGO, yeah. building up that sort of thing there's some great 3D software out there for this, although I don't know how any of it works and can't recommend any particular programs. That sort of thing means that you've got a unique castle that is entirely specific to your game. And that's something that I'd particularly recommend if you're looking at starting the player group off in like a small fortress and building it up over time. Yeah, I was going to say, now, obviously you mentioned earlier, love, that there's a difference between, like, real world and sort of fantasy castles. But obviously if you're going purely fantasy, like, wizard did it, style castle, you don't need to worry about the the actual sort of realism of it. Is there anywhere people could go to, like, get tip, <laughs> hints and tips about, like, how a real castle is actually built? Anyway, so you'd recommend? Indeed, there's an excellent YouTube series called Shadiversity. Metricolitage! where he will explain all about the uses of matriculations 
uh, and many other things. Um, definitely what's inspired this episode, should have mentioned that at the start, really. Uh, he's got dozens of episodes about how real castles and fantasy castles differ from each other. He's done, like, reviews of Hogwarts and Winterfell and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, he's also got a fair few videos where he's he's in the process of, like, constructing, like, a 3D model of, of a castle of his own, but he sort of breaks it down where he talks about all the individual different bits of a castle and how he's sort of being inspired by real-world historical castles and why he's put things like the Bailey and stuff like that in. Mm-hmm. And he explains what matriculations are. <laughs> Which he does love probably a bit too much, but it's very entertaining. So, your last option, which is oddly the simplest and the most difficult as far as I'm concerned, okay. is don't worry about the floor plan, just list the rooms that you're going to need and use a zone-type system for it where you don't need to worry about how certain bits connect up to each other or what the structure is or how many feet long that corridor is. It's just one of the many sets. Yeah, so you just know like things like there's a main hall and there's a tower and you can get to like the dungeon by going from the tower and the tower mm-hmm. leads to the main hall and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's a concept that's been used in sort of Fate and a few other different RPGs, not specifically say, for castles, but... It fits quite well for the Fate system, and it's particularly good for, like, horror games and that kind of thing, where you don't really want that solid effect that you get from having the miniatures laid out and being able to take a tape measure to work out how far away you are. Yeah, I mean, the thing about having, like, a nice sort of, like, tactical sort of grid map of like your castle it's don't get me wrong that's quality and if you want to run like a virtual tabletop you want a slightly more tactical element yeah that's going to help you great guns however if you're running a game that's maybe placing less emphasis on tactics or like you say you're trying to run like a horror game or something like that where that it's only the relative positioning you need to worry about maybe you don't need to go to that level of like finding a map and sort of laying it out on a virtual tabletop or like getting all your miniatures together and building an actual castle and if you don't need to do all that work unless you enjoy it if you enjoy it just crack on great stuff (laughs) but if you if you don't need that work like you say maybe think of doing like a simpler method and you can still get across this essential idea of the building and especially if you're using the castle as a bookend and it's unlikely to have any combat take place in it and it's just scenery for the story bit of the plot you don't need to spend hours on that you can just say it's a really beautiful castle that's it i mean i'm i'm what you call a fairly sort of like low prep gm but when i say low prep i suppose a more appropriate term would be appropriate prep i mean if we've all got limited time nowadays let's face it i mean even with the current situation we've obviously got other stuff we need to do so you want to put your time for your prep into the area that's going to get you back the most reward now if you want to run a tactical game of like running through this castle fighting orcs and goblins and whatever then putting a lot of that time and effort into a map might be worth it for your game however if all you're really using it for is like the start bit where like the king gives you a mission or where you rock back to after an adventure 
maybe you could spend that time on something else like the actual adventure rather than the design of the castle unless you've got loads of time and like we say you enjoy it in which case crack on something else to consider for castles is the people that are in there the npcs that you're going to need Mm -hmm. and that's going to be very much determined by the function of the castle so if it's a castle that's being used as a jail like tutbury castle down the road from us you're going to need some jailers. Yeah, was it was it Queen Mary they had in there? Mary, Queen of Scots. Mary, Queen of Scots, yeah. yeah. Um, if, for example, it's where the royal court is taking place, like Versailles, you're going to have the courtiers and all of their the various nobles. entourage that yeah. goes with them and all the people that have to clean up after it. Make sure none of them bullywogs are sneaking in. If it's a small local um, defensive fort then it's only going to have a few people in it and well, like most of them are going to be like locals from the area. Like a little garrison. Yeah, like um, the castle in Lanka in Discworld. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, they've got three guards who each have five other jobs as well in the castle yeah. and they all take it in turns and the rest of them live in the village. I was going to say, I suppose as well, that assumes that like the castle's in sort of like its heyday, like doing its thing. I mean, obviously, if it's ruins, that's a separate thing. But if it's like a castle that's maybe not being used as much, or maybe the purpose has changed, obviously the NPCs that are there will have changed. Like you say, if it's not being used so much now, it's made a bit of a bit of a relic. Then there might only be a handful of guards there, and they've got to do the cleaning and whatnot as well. And then. The one that you tend to see being the classic function of castles in movies is when they're being used as an armoury and a place to garrison troops and bannermen, like uh, Winterfell does in quite a bit of Game of Thrones. With Jon Snow. One of the things that they address quite well there is the fact that while they've got all those troops there, they need to feed them. They need to house them. Yeah, they need to keep them busy because otherwise they're going to start fighting amongst themselves or they're all just going to wander off because they're bored and there's no one to fight. And that's mm-hmm. what they all got called up for. Yeah. So that gets very expensive and quite difficult to manage. And I'm sure there's definitely some seeds for like higher level adventures in there oh, yeah. where once you've got control of a castle, what do you you've do? then got control of a castle. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> So other like little jobs that are going on in castles, other NPCs that you might encounter in castles, there's some excellent series from British TV with uh, Ruth Goodman, who's a historian, yeah. and Tony Robinson, who's Baldrick. That's it. Get that time team dollar on, sucker. <laughs> Go, going through um, looking at various jobs and functions that castles did and you can find lots of clips of these things on youtube i think the tony robinson series was called the worst jobs in history uh ruth goodman's been on so many different ones that i couldn't name a particular series yeah i mean one of the good let's have terrible with names one of the good things about the the ruth goodman series that she's done is she tends to focus on the sort of like the day-to-day life mm-hmm. and stuff like that so rather than it being like the big historical figures even when they're dealing with big historical figures it's about like the everyday sort of like people who were like working with for them or whatever and this is why it's uh, such an interesting 
thing to look at for NPCs because yeah. they are the people that you're going to want to keep seeing in the castle and they're what bring it to life effectively Yeah, if you want to have it looking like there's a working castle there in your game having two or three NPCs that the players can talk to and interact with makes all the difference another thing that you have to look at when you're considering what NPCs you're having there is the different uses of castles um, even just British castles in the last 500 years for example because mm-hmm. the, there's castles the world over oh, yeah, of course. and they've been around for thousands and thousands of years but in the last 500 years we've had castles that were initially just a local meeting point a place for everybody to go to if there were raiders or if there was war yeah and otherwise it was just the place where the local lord lived maybe a bit of a farmstead around it that then went on in like the tudor period to become government buildings that were in service of the crown and yes they were still officially owned by the local lord but only because the crown had put him in charge of them. Yeah. And that's when we're talking about things like them being used as prisons, tax collection places, and they were obviously still used as local armories. So I suppose, they, as you were saying, the local lord was more like the sort of custodian of it, sort of acting on behalf of the crown, not the crown really only, but they're like, yeah, you look after it and do all the stuff we can't be bothered with. Indeed. And obviously now... Castles tend to be conference centres, hotels, museums. Yeah. Another different purpose that they've been put to doesn't mean that they could be any less interesting to run a game in. I've certainly played a couple of very good horror games that were set in castles that were like modern games where you're going around looking for EVP or there's a vampire or whatever... They're just a cool setting. Yeah, I mean, castles are obviously like a big part of the sort of whole like gothic period of like fiction and uh, film and stuff like that. And that's precisely because they are these huge, impressive edifices and they've, they've got that sense of history about them. So like you say, even if you're in modern day and it's like a museum, if you're walking around a castle, it's hard not to think about, like, oh, this is an ancient building, what it was used for. And particularly if you're running horror, obviously in a lot of horror sort of situations, it's like some ancient legend or something from the past. And it's so easy to imagine like stuff like that taking place in a castle. But also to keep the like gothic thing going they're very sort of isolated they're little fortifications where like they're almost little worlds into themselves mm-hmm. and when the sort of gothic fiction movement came about and they were talking about people isolated miles from anywhere you know stuck with like your sort of mad anti-hero and the family curse castles were a natural place to put them because they're like little islands and also they really capture this sense of like a history that's maybe now sort of partly forgotten and it's crumbling away, but it's still there. Exactly. Yeah, but one thing I've been wondering, love, since we're talking about like fantasy, what about dragons? I mean, they could put a crimp in your day if you've like if you've got a castle. But what about dragons? So the other thing that you have to consider 
when you're running a fantasy game and you're putting a castle in there is the fact that a real world castle doesn't suit a fantasy setting all <laughs> no, the time. No. Because if you've got local dragons, they don't care about your moat, they don't care about your big walls, they're just going to fly over and drop fireballs on you from above. And that means that you have to sort of consider the local wildlife and the fantasy setting to some degree when you're doing the design for a fantasy castle. I'm not speaking of local wildlife. <laughs> and anything to add? Okay. You sure about that? Yeah, is there another cat downstairs? Is that what's going on? Cool. Okay, as long as we know about it. I was going to say, though, it, in addition to the dragons as well, it's not just them in a fantasy setting. I mean, we saw in like Lord of the Rings where ostensibly the, the castles were built sort of vaguely in like a sort of realistic style with a few notable exceptions. Well, when you've got like Sauron's armies rocking up and they've got like ogres that are like 15 feet tall that can like carry a battering ram under their arm and like elephants and stuff like that, your castle's not going to stand up to that. Never mind in like D and D, where you can have like spellcasters who can like stone shape and stuff like that. I mean, if you think about it, your basic uh, wizard in D and D, when they've got like their magic missile, all right, it's not the it's not the greatest spell in the world, but once you get up a few levels and you're firing off a load of them, I can't imagine it take a great deal of them to like take down a wooden door. Mm-hmm. And another thing that you have to look at is whether you've got any of these sorts of creatures. Yeah, true. So, uh, Game of Thrones, again, the Red Keep had dragon stables, effectively, underneath it. Um, again, Terry Pratchett had the Wormberg, and these are structures that were specifically built to house dragons. That's a quality name, Wormberg. <laughs> and you're going to need some specialist stablers as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm guessing that the guy who shovels the dragon uh, droppings is going to get paid considerably more than your average stable boy. Yeah, and I mean, obviously this is more of an issue in like a, a sort of higher fantasy game where magic's more prevalent. If you're running like a low magic, sort of a bit a bit closer to actual history sort of game, this might not be such a problem. But the, the way I look at it is any sort of problem that magic has caused, magic can solve. Because it's like... In the, in the same way as like with real warfare, if the enemy gets like a weapon, as soon as a new weapon's unveiled, people start working on a defence against it. So they have to make Absolutely. a new weapon. If you've got someone going like, oh, we built this castle, oh, but what about them with their spells that can do this, that, and the other? They'll have some wizard on their side who'll be like, yeah, but I've worked out a defence for it. Or they'll have someone who's like, oh, I've worked out how to make magic-proof bricks or something like that. But yeah, you do need to consider that in your game. At least, even if you're not going to go in depth with it, you've got to at least sort of like think about it. Yeah, so some things to take a look at when you're putting a castle in your game. Hopefully, it's helpful to people. Indeed, we hope you've enjoyed that episode. If you want to get in touch with us, you can leave us a voicemail message using the SpeakPipe website. There'll be a link in the description of this show. Or you can drop us an email to rdrpgpodcast 
at gmail.com also shortly after this episode is published we're going to put up our twitter poll for the next subject of our monster friday episode so keep an eye out for that cast your vote and you can have a say in which monster we cover next so until we see you again take care stay safe and keep gaming bye Metric Gun Attack!